This is a Mortarbox Media Podcast. For more podcasts and to learn how we can help you create your own, visit mortarboxmedia.com. Welcome once again to Chill Filtered, the podcast where we drink whiskey so you don't have to, but you probably should. On today's show, we're going to be drinking Glen Grant 16-year. It is a scotch, so I am a little nervous, but before we get to that, let's get down to just a little bit of business. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Leave us a rating and a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts app. Ratings help people find the show. Reviews help us know what you like about the show, maybe what you'd like to see different. If you want to play a bigger part in what we do, you can go to patreon.com slash chillfiltered. That's the business. Here's the podcast. All right, Cole, my dear friend, how are you today? You know, I'm I'm somewhat good. I you know, it's funny. I I'm feeling a lot of anxiety today. Um, long story. Don't want to get too into it, but I sold something on eBay, and the buyer is like giving me a fuss and giving me more than just a fuss. He's like accusing me of certain things, and uh, and so like I actually called eBay. And long story, but like called eBay. That really helped. They were like, yeah, this guy's got kind of a. A background, uh, or maybe not a background, like he's had a few issues in the past. So I'm like, oh, good. I'm not crazy. And I don't know. So it helped out to do that. But I was dealing with like super anxiety because he hit me up like last night late. And long story short, it looks like it's going to be taken care of. But I was like, I don't know. When I get those kind of things from strangers, I think I get more anxiety than like being hurt by a friend. Hmm. Um, I don't know why that is. Like if someone flips me off, I, I like for some reason take that to heart. Uh, like, you know, you're driving on the road or something like that. Like that, I just like, I'm like, oh, don't be so bothered by that. But I get really bothered by that kind right. of stuff. Um, but long story short, I think it's going to be good. Otherwise, um, we are, um, yeah, we're like almost, you know, we're waiting to get approval on the mortgage for our house, uh, which I think is going to work just fine. I don't see any issues coming up with that. Um, but then we're going to start packing. Oh, did I tell you? Yeah, I guess I sort of brought it up, but I'm going to Europe a week from today. We're recording on a Sunday and I am leaving, uh, town next Sunday. We're going to London and then Disneyland Paris and then Paris. So we're really excited about that. It's kind of going to be hard this week at work. Like it'll be so easy for me to just get like distracted and and not want to put all my, you know, like work hard. Um, but I'm gonna, it's going to be great. But I'm gonna be so distracted all week just thinking about it. So, but otherwise, yeah, doing pretty well. What about you? I am all right. I'm. I'm more. I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious about what this eBay situation is. <laughs> so, so I send out something, and it's a box of basically. I won't even go into what it was, but it had. It was a box, and it had a bunch of tools in it. Um, and the guy basically hits me up and says, like, well, he hits me up when he buys it. He's new to eBay, apparently. And um, hits me up saying, oh, I didn't notice that I was supposed to pay so much in shipping. Can you just refund me what you don't spend in shipping? I'm like, no, you bought what you bought. You paid for what you, you know, you should have checked that before you, um, right. you know, bought it. And then when he gets it yesterday, he hits me up and um, basically says that I didn't, like all the tools weren't there. And he like showed a picture and I have a picture before I sent it to yeah. him. 
and um and it's full it's got all the tools within it um every slot is accounted for and then he sends me a picture with missing things from the slots and he's like it didn't even come as as ordered and then he like goes into the shipping thing he's like i wanted to the shipping was you know not it was too much and he didn't even pay that much in shipping and all these things and i'm just like and he's basically like attacking my integrity and um and it just really stressed that's me so, out. Like, it's I was, so like, weird shaking. that that stresses you out. Because for me, I'm just like, whatever, man. Like, I, I know I did what I was supposed to do. And, like, it's, you know, whatever. No, I mean, I think that. Yeah, no. And I know I'm, like, you know, even in my own eyes, I know I'm okay. I'm good. But the fact that someone's just attacking me, that just, like, for some reason, like, it's, like, flipping me off on the highway. Like, that guy doesn't know me and he attacked me. And of course, that's not a quote, you know, like some people wouldn't see it that way. But I think like that guy, more so it like makes me depressed for the world. Right. And just like stresses me out in that way. I'm just like, there are people out there that just have no idea what they're doing uh, to other people. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's funny how that like, it just really rocked me. Like, and it, it annoys me. So, but I think I called eBay and they were like, yeah, he's got, you know, he's done this kind of thing, or at least has returned an item out of this before, and that doesn't help his case in any sure. way. And if you have too much anxiety, like, you can just do this or that. So it kind of helped, but, um, yeah, I, uh, that was my morning. I have had uh, the unfortunate situation of selling something on Craigslist, and this has happened to me multiple times, um, uh-huh. where I will sell something and then the item will break uh, the next and oh, within no. the next week. So like once I sold an Xbox 360, they bought it and they got it home and like they tested it at my house and then they got it home and it got the red ring of death and they're like, I want my money back. Oh, and no. I was like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not going to give you your money back. Like, I don't, I don't want a broken Xbox. I'm sorry that that happened, but you know, nothing, nothing I can do. And then once I sold a car and then the next day it broke down and and oh, it was no. a cheap car. I'm like it was it was a piece of crap and I made that very clear in the ad and then when they bought it I said, "Listen, this I mean, I can't guarantee that this thing's going to make it out of the driveway." I you know, I sold it yeah. for 600 bucks and um yep, the next day it broke down. They called and they said they want their money back and I was uh, like I was a little more willing at that point to like see if there was something we could do. And I said, "Well, yeah. like did you like did you go to the dmv and get it titled and and registered with plates and everything and they're like yeah and i was like well then i'm not (laughs) i like the only way to get your money back is if i legally buy it back from you and get it titled in my name and i'm not going to do that (laughs) so yeah that 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 makes me feel bad and then once it actually happened to a phone and uh the phone i don't know died the next day and uh the guy told me he was from chicago and was going to come back to my house and shoot me so oh wow yes it's it's very exciting but uh all that aside i'm good life is good um you know this already i just woke up from a nap and uh i'm a little out of it but that's okay um let's see anything going on really no you know um I was uh I was at a wedding on Friday. I took off work and was in Chicago for a wedding. And then on Saturday I actually sang at a wedding here for a couple of strangers who I've never met and nice. they paid me $350 <laughs> to sing two songs at their wedding. So that was awesome. Nice. Um what's really awesome about that is I you know, I just bought a $2000 computer and so I have some money to to start paying that off. So that's nice. Um 
and then uh, this coming Saturday, it's my birthday. So uh, you're going to be off gallivanting around in Europe, and I'm going to be here in Wisconsin with my birthday. So, yeah, life is good. Was it the 28th again? Yeah, and what your anniversary is the 29th. Yeah, you got it. Huh? So... Well, I hope you have a great birthday. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be just wonderful. Um, you got any plans? No, you know, 32. Like, there's, I, it's not a big deal to me, and so, um, it's a, you know, multiple of two, or like, it's a, it's a, you know, it's two to the fifth, which is really important. Sure. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, those are the things I think when people turn birthdays. Right, yeah. Uh, we, uh, we every year. Ashley's cousin passed away like three years ago now in September and both him and I shared September 28th as our birthday. And so every year we do a wiffle ball uh, game in his memory. And so I don't think we're going to do that on our actual birthday weekend, but some maybe in October, the first weekend in October. So uh, it'll be good. Mm -hmm. But uh, you, uh, you and I both, you, you saw some, you had some more amaranth, uh, this week and I actually saw it for sale somewhere like a bottle for sale so how was how much uh I shouldn't say for sale it was uh the old liquor store I used to work for they are doing a raffle for one so but it's the first time I've <sighs> seen it in the wild where like you could get your hands on it yeah yeah I saw it at a bar in Tempe Arizona and uh it was good but the funny thing was I had it with a Weller full proof yeah. as well like they had both of them Weller full proof was 16 a pour and uh amaranth was like 23 a pour and the full proof was a little better um i loved the amaranth don't get me wrong but the full proof was killer it was yeah amazing. you know listen i i really liked amaranth it, it's definitely not the best whiskey i've ever had like it's it's not yeah. like you know i think part of the charm for it for us was like the whole experience of getting it and the fact that it was you for know sure. this really hard to get thing that got sent to us so uh but not to poo poo at all it's uh it's you know it's great it's great yeah. but it's not like i didn't yeah. taste it and then just think oh my gosh this is the best thing ever so for sure uh speaking of whiskey Same. though what are we drinking today uh this week we are drinking a space side uh scotch and it's a 16 year this is glenn grant 16 and glenn grant yeah like i said is a space side uh distillery and uh, you'll find this one is very light, and we'll probably talk about that a little bit. This is a very light colored uh, scotch, and but I'm really looking forward to it. I was given it by a friend uh, who visited Scotland, and he brought me back this bottle. It's got a lot of uh, fanfare in terms of uh, awards, at least the distillery does. And yeah, looking forward to drinking it today. Yeah, I am. I am not. <laughs> What, dude? Get don't get your hopes so low. I, I mean, I guess that might be a good thing. No, I mean thing. they're not. It's, it's they're good. not low. I just I, like I don't. There's not been many scotches that I like. But speaking of scotch, you say that what you say that, but like you loved um uh, the uh, well Abuna? again. You love speaking of Abuna. There's this new uh, this new bottling of Abuna. I forget what the what it's called. Do you remember? Oh, it was, I forget, it had another A yeah, name. Yeah, it did. I, I almost wanted to say it was like Abuna Armor or something like that. No, yeah, but it's something with an A. Um, but I am excited to try that. It's. I think, if I remember correctly, it's basically Abuna, but at a barrel strength, and it's not finished in sherry casks, it's finished in bourbon casks. Oh, okay. I believe. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I don't know, I don't know if you remember I'd anything about very... it, but... 
No, I just remember it was sort of like similar to Abuna in that it was cast strength, but otherwise I don't remember what else it was. Yeah, I, I'm I'm guessing that it will be um, quite a bit different. I, I just don't think it's going to be quite as good. I, I think part of what I like about that bottling is the sherry cask finish. Uh, kind of yeah, makes it sweet. Huge. And uh, it's the it's mm-hmm. the Abuna Alba is what it's called. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Jessica Alba's That's whiskey. right. And so it, uh, let's yeah. see here. <laughs> the original Abuna is dark and rich due to sherry cask maturation. Alba is light and crisp and adds a, ref- a refreshing option to the Speyside Distiller's portfolio. Uh, but yeah, it is aged in American oak bourbon casks. So, Huh. Weird, because we will talk about that today. Oh, well, with, without further ado, let's get to that. But let's first take just a quick break. All right, back from break. And as you heard before we went to the break... We're going to be drinking the Glen Grant 16-year. It's a Speyside Scotch, and uh, I myself am not too thrilled with Scotch, but uh, Cole is telling me that uh, maybe I'll be surprised with this one. So, Cole, what can you tell us about the Glen Grant 16-year? Yeah. So, first, the distillery uh, was founded in eighteen or yeah, 1840 in Roths, I, Scotland. I wish, I wish I knew how to like pronounce that with a Scottish accent, but I bet it's cool. It might just be Roths. Who knows? Um, same town where you'll find, uh, Glen Roths, uh, Glen Spey distilleries, which I've had Glen Roths and they have good stuff. Never had Glen Spey though. Uh, all distilleries are, those ones are all near the river Spey. Uh, Glen Grant on a small trickling offshoot of the river. Uh, and so what is a Speyside? We've talked about highlands and we've even talked about islas. Uh, we've mentioned before lowlands and uh, trying to think there's some like some that would go into other regions like what they would call themselves like a duff town. Like uh, I believe, what is it? Uh, Glen... Um, well, oh, Balvini. Balvini would call himself the Duff Town. And even McAllen calls themselves the Highland, like the Ohio State University or, you know, the Bourbon Charity. Um, and uh, and so what makes a space side? So basically it is a region of the Highland area uh, in the northeast portion, uh, which is of the, the, the River Spey, like kind of that watershed um, in that in that part of Scotland. And so what I started looking into was why is Speyside, it is a very small area considering this, the size of Scotland, but it is the highest, most densely, you know, um, distilleried of all the areas of Scotland. And there are over, or right around 50 producing distilleries in the Speyside region. region. Um, and, and, I, and some of those whiskeys will call themselves Highlands, which is true. It is part of the Highland region, but they're also technically Speysides because they're of that region and they draw from the, the, the River Spey. Um, Glenlivet is one, Glenfiddich, McAllen, Aberlour, uh, Balvini, Glendronach, just to name a few. Some big names in uh, Highland Scotch are technically Speysides. Um, and this, the Highland, I mean, the Glen Grant Distillery uh, used to be owned by the Chivas Brothers uh, Company, and now they're owned by the Italian company Campari. 
uh, which we've actually discussed before. Um, we, I forget who else was under Campari, but uh, founded by two brothers, the distillery was, who were apparently smugglers and illegal distillers that eventually just wanted to start a legal distillery. Uh, eventually, one of the brothers' uh, sons, his name was James Grant, known as The Major, took over the business. And he was very impactful in a, in a really great way on this distillery. It was, in fact, the first distillery to have electric lighting, uh, which actually is super helpful, especially with aging. Uh, if you get too much uh, flame near aging uh, barrels, you can get a lot of trouble. Um, right. And so this was awesome for them. They were the first, yeah, and the, the major, uh, James Grant, was the first man in the Highlands to own a car, which is kind of cool. Uh, Glenn Grant is known for their tall, slender-necked copper pot stills. Uh, and the, that's the thing is there's actually a really cool science of keeping your uh, neck of your pot still really tall. And that means that like only the, 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 the kind of the purest, and this is kind of like paraphrasing scientifically, but only like the purest stuff gets up there. Otherwise, it'll stick to the wall on the way down and, and drop back down into the like the mash. Um, like these distilling things that like these vapors basically of alcohol. Um, so like the longer your your pot still neck, the more crisp and almost like um, Irish whiskey, which usually triple distills, um, meaning that like the, the the purest stuff goes through the other side. Similarly, in a double dist- or a, you know twice distilled Glen Grant with a very tall neck, you're gonna get only the purest stuff going through on the first two rounds. So um, that's kind of the science behind it. Uh, and so they're known for that at Glen Grant. Uh, and they're also known as kind of the scotch of Italy. Uh, because Campari owns them, they, they market hugely to the, uh, you know, Italy. And they're a big deal in terms of scotch when it comes to the Italian people. Um, so actually, it was very nice. We got hit up by the brand ambassador of Glen Grant uh, before we even did this episode. And he's like, let us know if you have any questions before you do the episode. And I was like, dude, I'll take advantage of that. So I hit him up with uh, four questions, and I wanted to kind of discuss his answer. Uh, I paraphrase my questions. I am um, verbatiming his question or his answers. But um, first, I asked about the really light color that you'll typically see in Glenn Grant, especially the 16 year. This is a very light color. Um, it's almost like it looks watered down. But um, he said. Um, and especially in comparison to other ones, but he said it's bright color is due to most of the liquid is Asian ex bourbon. Like we talked about with, uh, the oh. Alba. Um, so bourbon doesn't give off such a color when you're using ex, you know, used barrels as, you know, of course you were talking about like, um, the Abuna is typically, you know, it, it is always, um, I want to say it's Oroloso Sherry, but I might be wrong. It might be PX cast. But either way, it's sherry, which has a dark red color, and you'll see that show up. But you probably noticed on the Alba that the color is not so strong, similarly to this. But anyway, he says, uh, ex-bourbon, but we used a little spirit aged in ex-oloroso sherry. And I said, um, why isn't Glenn Grant like available in the U.S.? And I thought that was the case. And I even mentioned that uh, in the last episode, giving a little um, teaser for this uh, this week's episode that it's not available in the U.S. And he says, actually, Glenn Grant is available in the U.S., the 12-year, the 15-year, and the 18-year. The 16-year was actually discontinued, the one we're drinking today, owing to stock limitations. And he said it was replaced by the 15-year. And so I asked about, okay, so so here's a crazy thing. Uh, A few years ago, uh, Glenn Grant 18 won the uh, Scotch of the Year. 
And and so I hit him up about that. I said, what's it like to, you know, to win Jim Murray's Scotch of the Year? And he corrected me, actually. He said, 18-year-old 18 uh, 18 best Scotch in Whiskey Bible three years in a row. And I looked that up, and it's true. They, they won the World Scotch of the Year by Jim Murray three years in a row, like the same bottle, which is crazy to me. This must be like some killer bottle, and it gets some huge, you know, reputation through that. But anyway, he says, great for brand reputation as it elevates the reputation of brand. Yeah, that's good. Um, he says, although there's very limited availability in the 18-year-old. Um, but I looked, yeah, like I said, I looked that up. It's And so in 2017, it won the second best whiskey of the year, like the runner up to the world whiskey of the year. And then in 2018, it won the second runner up third place, um, world whiskey of the year. And then last year in 2000, I mean, this past year, 2019, it won the runner up again to the world whiskey of the year. So this is like at least the 18 years, this powerhouse award-winning scotch. And this one I imagine is not too different, but that's just me. Um, anyway, I asked him about the tall stills and if they had an effect on the whiskey. And he says, yes, gravity dictates a lighter spirit as only the lightest vapors ascend the height of the still. We also use water cooling purifiers that allow for a further refinement and selection of the very finest cut. Hence, Glen Grant's highly aromatic and fruity flavor and aroma. Uh, concerning the, um, bottle itself i don't have much to talk about there wasn't much like kind of details besides the fact that it's a 16 year it is a single malt it is you they 100 percent use uh for the 16 year here they said x bourbon casks and it's 86 proof 43 percent by alcohol by volume um i actually one of the things i forgot was to get the um the retail for this one um but um hopefully we can grab that by the end of the episode but that's what I got concerning Glenn Grant single malt scotch whiskey 16 year. Um, talk a little bit because I'm going to look that up for you. Yeah, so I've tasted this and I don't want to give away too many notes, but this reminds me in a lot of ways of a Japanese whiskey. Japanese whiskeys are typically lighter colored, uh, but more they have certain notes that I won't give away. Uh, that stand out very much among the uh, Japanese whiskey kind of, or even just whiskey, because the Japanese are usually, um, they stand out for being a little bit more crisp, a little bit more, um, like like he mentioned, uh, the Robin Kupar, I never mentioned his name, Robin Kupar um, mentioned that there's a fruity flavor and aroma that really shows up on this one. Um, from what I can see, and I can't see it on uh, Total Wine, it doesn't look like they carry it, uh, yes, th- there is a website and an app that does delivery for liquor. Looks mm-hmm. like could go anywhere from about $80 on drizzly.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if you look on the secondary market, you're looking at about 90 to to $100. Okay. That was so. so nice of my good friend and one of our Patreon supporters. That's Miles Ferguson. So shout out to Miles for buying me this bottle while he was in Scotland. And thank you for your great support on Patreon, Miles. Yes, thank you, Miles. I also, uh, I was also just given a uh, a scotch that somebody brought over after traveling in Europe. Uh, oh, really? It's the, uh, I'm going to guess at the name of the distiller. Oshentoshin. Akintoshin. Akintoshin. And it's their Heartwood. It's Lolan. Ooh. So I just got that uh, given to me. So uh, well, that'll that'll be on the show soon, I'm sure. But uh, 
So I, I guess I'll smell this scotch now. I'm going to pop it while you smell it. Sure. There we go. That's a good one. I always say that's a good one, except for when it's not a good one. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is very light on the nose. Yeah. But what do you mean by that? Like, it's just, it's very uh, light and aromatic and, and just kind of refreshing on the nose. There is, a, if you bury your nose deep in there, though, it, it's, uh, it's pretty alcohol forward as well. I'm getting uh, notes of like pear. Um, yeah. Like fresh pear. Definitely not like uh, cooked or even like, like it's almost like you cut into a pear and it's one of those hard ones where it hasn't fully ripened. You know, that kind like of grittiness green. that you're talking about? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that, that's what I'm smelling. Mm hmm. Yeah, uh, like like we said, while you go for the sip, I'll talk about that color. This is like a watered down apple juice color. Like it's like it's like you took apple juice and matched it with amount of water, and that's how light it is. It's yellow. It's not even amber. It's uh, it's super light. Yeah, it's a, it's almost like a champagne that doesn't have any bubbles. That's actually a great great uh, comparison. Yeah. Um. You go. Yeah. Go ahead. It's not bad. Uh, I don't have any notes right off the top of my head, but, uh, I, I don't hate it. That's for sure. Hey, oh, much better than any, uh, eyeless scotch you've ever had. Mm-hmm. So does it remind you a little bit of like the Yamazaki 12 we had? That's been so long ago, Cole. I don't know. Yeah. So I, all I'm getting is like fresh fruit. I wouldn't say floral. Um, I think they wanted to say they, they had a very floral taste. I mean, Really, this is super fruity to me. Super I think apples, a lot I think of pears. I think it's very floral, actually. I don't have good floral notes. I actually don't like the smell of flowers, so maybe that's why. Yeah. Kind of rosy-ish. Um, actually, you got me there. I can see a little bit of that. It's, uh, it's all right. Hey, I forgot to grab some ice, so let me go do that really quick. Mm-hmm. Or actually, uh, before I do that, I'm going to drop some water, and then I'll go grab out and... Or run out and grab no, a cube. Good. So. so if you're looking, listeners, for a really bright, really light, and by light, I don't mean like the flavors lacking. I just mean it's like really refreshing. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for something with a nice fruit, uh, if you're really into, even if you're already into like Japanese whiskey and you move want to move over to scotch, this is your bottle. Like, this is like the next thing you want. So you can slowly ease into that space side Highland realm. Uh, because, you know, like we, like we've noticed before, like Japanese is similar to scotch, but it is in its own way, a very specialized, um, 0% taste of like peat in there here. I imagine they use a lot of charcoal in the malting process. Um, but I, yeah, I like it a lot. Uh, but yeah, it's defined by its lightness, brightness, and fruitiness, at least from you know what I've been tasting so far. A drop of water like it a in it, that, that drop of water kind of backed off some of that alcohol forwardness on the nose. It's actually much uh-huh. more, you're much, I'm just much more able to like smell it and like pick stuff out here. I'm dropping drops right now. It's kind of got a, I, I don't. I I don't mean this word negatively, but like a mustiness or a uh, maybe I just mean kind of earthiness. Earthy is a good note, yeah. I noticed that um, adding a few drops of water kind of turned that gritty pear into a little bit of a softer pear. Right. 
You know, uh, part of the thing with scotches is they always sort of smell um, artificially made, like chemically almost. Um, and like I on those, see that being the on difference. those other ones, you know, I would say that that's that band aid smell or bad band aid taste. But like on this one, it's just it's almost like a cleaner is what it smells like. Yeah. I think that would be a really good, that's one great way to d- distinguish um, American whiskey from Scotch whiskey is that that's one of the notes you'll notice is always different is like almost like a, uh, like doctor's office versus more of a right candy shop. Yeah. It just, it just, um, if somebody gave me, um, for instance, let's just take the Knob Creek Cast Strength Rye from that was barreled or yeah, barreled in 2009. Yeah. Um if somebody handed that to me and I was completely oblivious to whiskey or spirits in general and just said, "Hey, this is a naturally occurring juice that comes from this plant and it ferments and we discovered it and we bottled it." I would go, "Oh, yeah, that yeah, I could that tastes that way." Yeah. Um whereas Every scotch I've ever tasted very much smells and tastes man-made. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense or not. No, I think it does. And I think even just that, that idea of like, I'm trying to think of the word um, to describe like, like industrial is not the word, but I'm like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, yeah, yeah I don't know. But, but I, I feel that like, like usually for you, especially when you try a scotch, you feel that like, doctor's office band-aid which is hugely different than the caramel and the toffee and the um and the vanilla especially like the caramel but coming from like american whiskeys whether it be rye or bourbon or even a wheat yeah yeah um on the palate with this with a drop of water in it very much the same as before it did add a little bit of that metallic-y bitterness to it which was okay. interesting to me, and it wasn't even necessarily a bad thing, um, but mm. it was it was just certainly different. I am going to run and, and grab an ice cube quick. Okay, you do that. I'm about to drop a cube. Boom. Um, so I noticed, at least on the nose and the palate and the finish for the drop of water, um, I would say it was even more bright, but it's hard to... It's, it's hugely bright to begin with. Um, hugely like on the lighter refreshing side it even got more i have a feeling that i'm gonna like this even more with ice um, because similarly uh, with japanese whiskey i typically like it better with ice it's clean refreshing what are the the ice typically makes it like um like like we've talked about in the past episodes like you know you're mowing the lawn on a hot day you might want to like chillax with um some ice in your japanese whiskey Um, but i have a feeling that'll be the case for this yeah we'll see you back yet Yeah. yeah So I'm I'm drinking it now. Okay. Well, I guess I'll go for the nose first. Ooh, Same on nose. the nose, I think it really it very much smells like a white wine or champagne now. That is a really good note. Very much like white wine. It's it's a little sickening to me. I don't have anytime I smell white wine, I I don't like it. Oh really? So I love this, and I'm I was right. I really appreciate the refreshingness of the. Um, with the ice um, put in there, I could see myself pouring like two or three ounces of this, adding a few like light ice cubes and just sipping away for a few, you know, maybe an hour or so. 
Um, this this is very good to me. I really like it. I, I wouldn't, I mean, I'll get into the rating in a little bit, but this isn't like blow your mind good, but this is like, this is special to me. Like this is yeah very different than any scotch I've ever had. And I mean that. I, uh, it's ruined with the ice for me because it just tastes like white wine now and I just, I don't, yeah. so my mom's an alcoholic and her drink of choice was white wine and, and so I just have uh, bad associations with it. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Uh, I, can I, I make can, a joke? Yeah. About that? Yeah. Okay. So you'd be like, you're like sniffing the glass and you're like, you smell like mommy. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> Except it's said with tears. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I uh, okay. Well, let's get into the rating then. I I, I don't have anything to more first? to say. As a, yeah, I'll, I'll let you go first. Um, I would not put this in seven range, but I wouldn't put it in nine range, and I would put it in mid to low eight range. I give it an eight point four one. Uh, I think I'd give it a six point seven. And I all oh wow okay that's cool. Yeah. No, I like that. It's uh, not terrible. 6.87 is like not the worst, but uh, I also give it a love it. I don't give an exceptional, but I do give it a high love it. Yeah, I mean, as far as scotches go for me, it's um, it's all right. It's it's um, If I was somewhere and somebody was like, hey, we're going to celebrate this thing and we're going to pour this and, and toast everybody with this, I'd be like, okay, I, I, can, I can do this and enjoy it. It would never be my first choice uh as far as scotch goes or whiskey goes for yeah. sure but um it's it's a serviceable scotch yeah i, I honestly don't gr- think it's anything too special mm-hmm. remind me what did you think of the and maybe you don't remember but what did you think of the glen morangi quinta ruban is that the one that i have yeah it's the one you have um i don't remember but i i, I want to say that i probably enjoyed it more than i enjoyed this Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe you do because it's got a really nice sherry finish. It's right. dense. It might not be like as potent as the Abuna, right? But it's good. Yeah, yeah. No, this is this is good. I just uh, it's not going to be uh, something I write home about. So yeah, for sure. Um, so this is the part of the show where we you I usually ask you what we're drinking next week, but you won't be on the show next week. Ooh, or will you be on the show next week? And then you won't be on the week after that. I don't remember what our schedule is here. Yeah, so if we're able to record during the week this week, I'm cool with that. Um, but then the next week, I won't be on. Yeah. Right. Okay, so you'll you'll be on next week. What are we drinking next week? Do we know? That's a great question. Um, one of the things I wanted to drink was... I, I think we should get one of those knobs out of the way, the knob creeks. We got a few of those. Which ones do we have? I want to say we have the uh, the standard. No, what is it? The uh, I have the list right here. Give I forget that you have samples from me. I just always look at the samples that I've received from you. Uh, you gave me a uh, small batch or the 25th anniversary. We still haven't done either one of those. You have the small batch and you want to do them both? Hmm. Compare them to each other? Yeah, it'd be a good matchup. Yeah. Not against that. You could match up the uh, history as well. You think you can get away with doing a blind tasting and and, uh, then we'll try and get... So, like, I'll have Ashley pour me my glasses. You have Heather pour yours and they'll write down which one is which and we'll try and guess and then reveal it at the end. 
That sounds like a great idea to me. All right. Well, that's, oh, you know what? I just wasn't talking into the mic at all. So sorry, listeners, that my voice, I was staring up at my uh, whiskey shelf. So <laughs> next week on the show, we're going to have the Knob Creek Small Batch and the Knob Creek 25th Anniversary Bourbon. Uh, and we're going to do a blind taste test on those and compare them. And then Cole and I are going to try and guess which one is which. Um, so that's what you can be looking forward to next week. Cole, anything else that you want to say about this Glen Grant 16 year? No, I'm glad to have this bottle. Um, it, like I said, it's very special. But uh, yeah, it's uh, maybe not the best scotch I've ever had. But yeah, I'm digging it. Digging it because it's unique. For sure. And and it was, is it, was it Miles? Is that his name? Yep, Miles Ferguson. Yep. Well, Miles, thank you so much for getting this bottle for Cole and letting us uh, mm-hmm. feature it here on Chill Filtered. But now it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. That's right. It's time for Whiskey World News. That's right. Whiskey World News is a part of the show where we find an article online we uh, read it, and then we kind of talk about it. We're always going to tell you where we find it, the title of the article, and the person who wrote it, because we don't want to take the credit. We just want to take the content and talk about it. So today's article is coming from InsideHook.com. The title of the article is Expert Advice, How to Collect Rare Whiskey on a Budget, uh, written by Nicholas McClelland, again, from InsideHook.com. Once upon a very magical time, you could find a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle with staggering ease. The Macallan 18 was merely a modest splurge, and only the deeply initiated had even heard of Yamazaki. It was simpler then, easy to build a nice whiskey collection for your drinking enjoyment or sit on it for the future. No, my friends, this isn't a fairy tale. It was the era of vodka, and most drinkers were too busy slaying martinis to notice the bewitching brown spirits on the other side of the bar. Today, however, we are in media res. It's, it looks like Latin, I don't know. In media res of the Gilded Age. Oh, it means age. in the middle of things. Perfect. Of the Gilded Age Latin. of whiskey, where even a mediocre bottling might set you back a tidy sum. For those of us without unlimited resources, creating a deep and mature whiskey library or investment cash can be a tad tricky. There are more bottlings and expressions than one person can sample without being sent for a long stay at a 12-step program, (laughs) while the truly special ones are few and far between. What's a middle-income whiskey fan to do? To answer this question, we went to five of the biggest names in whiskey, from creators and master distillers to brand executives. Here is their advice on how to build a collection without breaking the bank. Where to start? When this is uh, this is coming from Caleb Kilburn, the master distiller for Kentucky Peerless. When deciding what to go after, the first question that you have to ask yourself is, am I going to drink my collection? It is a real dilemma. On one hand, you've spent a lot of time and money to assemble a collection, so why consume it? On the other, is it worth that same time and effort just to have a cool decoration and bragging rights? The phrase bourbon 
bourbon everywhere and not a drop to drink comes to mind. Personally, I value experiences over possessions, so I would suggest drinking, sharing, and enjoying the bottles that you find. Since bragging rights will be low on your priority list, annual offerings may not be the best use of your dollar. Plus, they are harder to find. Instead, focus on single barrels, unique expressions, and just good drinking products that you can enjoy. Brendan McCarran, head of Maturing Whiskey Stocks for Glenmorangie and Ardbeg, says, If you're looking to invest and make money on scotch, start with the big names, the ones that feature heavily on the auction websites. Getting an, er- getting an early... Is one that's what oh getting in they spelled something wrong. Getting in early is one of the keys. If a distillery is releasing a brand new whiskey, a, a special edition, or a single cask, that would be the place to start with a small amount of money. Also, another place to look are new distilleries. There's a new there was a new place on Isla that just opened, so check back in say four to five years and see what they're doing. For a personal collection to drink and share with your friends, you want to start with sweet spot ages, 10s and 12s, 18s. After that, get some big sherry casks, some bourbon casks, and get some space sides. Get some highlands. All right, this guy's basically saying just get everything that you can. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to read every single uh, quote from everybody. We'll we'll just kind of... Uh, you know, pick and choose here. But again, you can go to insidehook.com and uh, look for the expert advice on how to collect rare whiskey on a budget. Uh, then the next section is try before you buy. Eddie Russell of Wild Turkey, he's the master dis- distiller, says, Some of the annual releases can be amazing. I try to visit bars when I can uh, to try special releases to see if I think they're worth the price of the bottle. Brent Elliott, master distiller of Four Roses, says, Try before you buy when possible. The selections and flights offered at many bourbon bars can help you decide the profiles that suit your palate. Distillery tours that offer tasting of their products is also a great way to survey different products and profiles. Know what you like. Brent Elliott, again from Four Roses, says, The most important thing to know before you collect is what you like. Unless you have the resources to buy everything first and sort through them later, you need to focus on tasting notes and reviews that appeal to your taste. I think that's a pretty important one um, to to kind of figure out what you like. You know, my, my whiskey collection, Cole, features a lot of rye because I figured out early yeah. on that rye is what I like and, and that's going to be what I'm going wanting to be wanting to drink. Um, Campbell Brown, president of Old Forester, says, if there are brands with bottles that you like that are hard to find but they're released every year and they don't change very much, then those are the ones I would be most interested in because they must have hit something good here if people talk mm. continuously about it. They do it over and over again, but still hard to find. Search high and low. Caleb Kilburn, master distiller from Kentucky Peerless, says, Most of your large chains are going to be tapped long before you get there, or they will be using the bottles in a lottery. I would suggest checking... uh, I just got an ad that popped up here. I would suggest checking independent bottle shops and developing a relationship with them. I think that's also a really great idea. Uh, 
Brendan McCarran, again from Glen Morangi and Ardbeg, says there is a value in shopping at both big stores and little. If you're going to have the best collection in town, you have to do the hard work. A lot of things will show up at mom and pop shops, and sometimes you can just buy these kind of diamonds in the rough. But the big shops are fantastic too. They have such a fantastic range, and they really have competitive prices and super intelligent staff, as do the mom and pops. So you need to uh you, so you need to play the field if you're startling man I got to tell you guys part of the problem with re- doing these whiskey world news is is some of these sites do not edit or or um do any uh any uh spell check yeah spell check on it or have somebody go through it and it it is tough I think um I'll just read the the next uh couple here and and not even the quotes you can go read them Uh, another step that you do develop a relationship with your retailer that's something we've talked about travel if you can that's another thing we've talked about uh you know different states and different countries are going to have different offerings age state statements are important but not everything uh and that's the last one so uh i would encourage listeners to go read this article it does have a lot of good information um it's just it's way too time consuming to actually read the whole thing but cole what do you what do you think is the most important thing to do is if you're a person on a budget and you want a good collection do you do you go with um some of the cheaper old faithfuls that that people really like and i'm i don't mean fast food whiskeys uh i just mean yeah. some of those you know like uh Eagle Rare, that's thirty bucks. Uh, Sazerac, that's thirty bucks. Um, mm-hmm. Or so, do you build a small base with that and then take some chances, or what do you do? Yeah. So the real question is: is it based on budget? So if you don't have a budget, like I always recommend building a you know slow and and constant relationship with a liquor store to where you can start. They start recognizing you, and they can call you by name, and they you know like uh, they can call you when maybe a good whiskey comes in. Uh, that's very important. But if you really want to even budget that out um, a little more, I've you know I've been told, and I and I believe it actually is that sometimes yeah, you know, like that one guy mentioned the mom and pop shops that just don't even know what they're putting on the shelf. That can be good. Although here's the thing is that I've never had luck with that. Like I've tried for years to like hit up these small shops when uh, drops happen. Um, you know, like if you know Elmer Chili came on the shelves, I you know it's it's really hard to find those liquor stores that even get those and then just put them on the shelf. So that can be really hard. I think the travel is a good idea too. Uh, you know, I'm going to London pretty soon and I'm hoping to hit up at least a good few liquor stores while I'm there. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Budget's the real thing. And I think maybe you can get lucky. I think the second um, thing I mentioned about like getting lucky with certain mom and pop shops might be your best bet. If you don't want to spend a lot, if you don't want to build that relationship, uh, maybe just finding that honey hole that that really has no idea what they're putting on the shelf, right? Um, so that's See, what I would say is probably I, the best way under a budget. I I think I would think that mom and pop shops. I think it's pretty pretty rare that they wouldn't know what they're putting on the shelves. I I always think of mom and pop shops as being more specialized um, in what they're doing. I guess or, or sometimes. Well, um, yeah. I mean, when the competition is total wine, yeah, you're right. You're right. Right. Um, the other thing that can happen at some of these smaller liquor stores is bottles get lost. You know, they get stuff in stock and then they set it aside to put out later and then something gets, you know, set in front of it and then boxes and boxes. And then three years later, they're like, oh, yeah, we have this incredible whiskey. And every now and then you'll you'll find that incredible bottle that gets put out there after it's 
been off of shelves forever. So I, I always think that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, all right, man. Anything else to say about uh, anything today or, or, or anything, I guess? No, I'm good. Yeah, thanks for listening, listeners. All right, yeah, for sure. Um, listeners, again, next week we're going to be uh, having the Knob Creek off. And by that I mean we're going to have the Knob Creek Small Batch and the Knob Creek 25th Year Anniversary Bourbon. And they're going head-to-head. We're, we're going to see which one is better. Um, I can tell you already which one is better, but we'll save it for, <laughs> we'll save it for <laughs> next week. Um, I, I am interested, though. I, I, I think... I think with the blind taste test, Cole, I think it's going to be pretty easy to tell which is which. Um, yeah. But uh, you never know. Maybe we'll be really surprised. But uh, hey, man, I uh, I hope that uh, your week goes well. And I know that this uh, this week will be tough to sit there and wait till you're not having to be at work <laughs> and off in uh, Europe. But uh, I hope your uh, your days go fast. Thanks, man. I hope you have a great week. I hope, yeah. uh, you know, your birthday's awesome. And I hope uh, you have a lot of fun with friends. But most of all, Adam, and listeners, I hope that our love of spirits lifted yours. Mm-hmm.